bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018. I'm in New Orleans this week for our Opportunity Zones Conference that's being held today and tomorrow, and our Affordable Housing Tax Credit Conference being held later this week. This week does mark the 10th anniversary of President George W. Bush signing the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008. Now, that legislation extended the New Markets Tax Credit for one year, the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit for one year, and the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit for eight years. It also provided additional low-income housing tax credit authority for disaster relief in the Midwest, Texas, and Louisiana. The bill was the third economic stimulus bill passed and signed in 2008 as the Great Recession took hold. And this bill showed the confidence that Congress has that tax credits can be used to effectively speed up the recovery from both economic and weather-related disasters. Now, in this week's podcast, I'm going to talk about a couple of significant federal bills that were introduced last week, and I'm going to share why they're significant. We're also going to talk about a continuing resolution signed last week, the latest on Tax Reform 2.0 legislation, and then share what we learned last week at the Novogratik 2018 Historic Tax Credit Conference in Nashville. I'll also share some significant updates on co-sponsors for important tax credit legislation. Also, looking forward to next week, in next week's podcast, I'm going to share some of what we learned here in New Orleans over the next few days at our Opportunity Zones Conference and our Affordable Housing Tax Credit Conference. So, if you're ready, let's get started. Now, in general news, last week, President Trump signed a spending package that included a continuing resolution to fund the government until December 7th. So what does this continuing resolution to December 7th mean? Well, first off, several departments and agencies would have experienced a shutdown on October 1st, which was Monday, if this hadn't happened. Now, I say several departments and agencies would have shut down, and I don't say the government would have shut down, because Congress has approved five spending bills that cover various departments and agencies. Now, unfortunately, the Department of Transportation and the Department of Housing and Urban Development their spending bills have not yet passed. So funding for those two departments is part of the continuing resolution. The continuing resolution means that the lame duck session of Congress is going to have to address spending in early December or face a partial government shutdown. Also last week, the House of Representatives approved three bills that make up what is being called Tax Reform 2.0. You may recall this from prior podcasts. Now the highest profile provisions in the legislation are a permanent extension of the individual tax cuts that were made in last year's tax reform legislation. As you probably recall, the reduction in corporate rates from 35% to 21% was permanent, or at least indefinite. But the individual rates were only reduced through the year 2025. The Tax Reform 2.0 legislation now heads to the Senate, where it's very unlikely that the bills will pass, at least not before the midterm elections in November. Now, versions of the education and retirement tax reforms contained in Tax Reform 2.0, those could conceivably pass, at least in part, during a lame duck session after November's election. Making the individual rate cuts permanent probably or highly likely isn't among those that will pass. Furthermore, I do expect tax corrections and possible tax extenders legislation to be seriously considered in a lame duck session. And such legislation would provide a vehicle for tax credit legislation. As you'll not be surprised, 
I'll keep you updated on this as we get closer to a lame duck session and, of course, during a lame duck session. So let's stay with Congress for a few moments longer here and talk about two significant bills that were introduced last week. Now, they're mostly symbolic, but they're significant because of what they symbolize. The first is the American Housing and Economic Mobility Act. This bill was introduced by Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. Warren's legislation would leverage federal funds to build as many as 3.2 million new housing units for low-income and middle-class families. That total includes the requirement of an annual federal investment of $45 billion to the Housing Trust Fund for 10 years. Now, the Housing Trust Fund, of course, is focused on providing affordable housing to people in the lowest income categories. Warren's bill also includes incentives to encourage local governments to eliminate land use restrictions that drive up the costs of housing. Now, the bill would strengthen anti-discrimination laws as well, and the legislation would also expand the number of financial institutions that have to answer to Community Reinvestment Act regulations, as well as strengthen penalties for violating those regulations. Now, this is important legislation because it shows the continuing national awareness of affordable housing policies. Now, it's also important because of who sponsored it. Senator Warren is seen as a national leader among Democrats and a possible challenger to President Trump in the 2020 presidential election. Now, other potential White House aspirants, think Senator Cory Booker and Senator Kamala Harris, they've also introduced big-ticket, ambitious affordable housing bills. Now, their leadership on ways to improve affordable housing shows that this is an important issue for Democrats seeking the presidency. Now, the other significant legislation was introduced by Representative Mark Meadows, a Republican from North Carolina. Meadows' bill would allow the designation of opportunity zones every 10 years, which would mean that the opportunity zone incentive would essentially be renewed every decade. Now, the legislation that originally created opportunity zones calls for the zones to be designated for a 10-year period. After 10 years, the zones would expire. So unless something happens, the zones expire on 2028. But I do note the ability to invest in opportunity funds actually expires earlier. That expires on December 31st, 2026. Now, this legislation, the Meadows legislation, would essentially make the incentive an indefinite part of the tax code, such that every 10 years, you could bring new designations or a state or possession could simply renominate existing opportunity zones if they still met the requirements. Now, this bill is now going to go to the House Ways and Means Committee, which would consider it in a lame duck session of Congress, potentially. Now, the Opportunity Zones Incentive is new, and we are waiting on guidance from the IRS to help inform how it should be implemented, but the early reaction from potential investors and communities has been overwhelmingly positive. And the fact that there's already legislation to extend Opportunity Zones is evidence of that. And as you most certainly know, we at Novogratic are very aware of the incentive's potential, as this week's Opportunity Zones Conference in New Orleans demonstrates. Our conference this week has unprecedented interest, and it's sold out quickly. Now, I will keep you updated on Meadows legislation in future podcasts. I'll also provide a link to both the Opportunity Zones legislation and Senator Warren's affordable housing bill in today's show notes. Now let's go to Nashville. Last week, I was in Nashville at the Novogratic 2018 Historic Tax Credit Conference. I know many of my listeners are there. It was great seeing you. But for those of you who couldn't attend, I wanted to share some highlights. Our keynote speaker was Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. Senator Cassidy is a member of the Senate Finance Committee, the Tax Writing Committee in the Senate, and he was instrumental 
in helping preserve the historic tax credit as part of the 2017 tax reform. Senator Cassidy at our conference emphasized the importance of advocacy for the federal historic tax credit. He did say, and I quote, death and taxes are inevitable, tax credits are not, end quote. The senator said the most effective advocacy is from constituents to their elected representatives. I should mention that last week, last Friday, was Senator Cassidy's birthday, and we do appreciate him spending his birthday morning with us and sharing his insights on the historic tax credit. Now, some of the other highlights from the conference include that last year was a record year for historic tax credit investment. Also, our historic tax credit equity panel discussed how the investor marketplace continues to be robust, even after the 2017 tax bill took the historic tax credit from a one-year credit to a 60-month ratable credit. Now, experts talked about how competition remains tight for larger historic tax credit transactions and that pricing is expected to creep up. That said, smaller investments of about $5 million or less will likely see depressed pricing. And that's because smaller deals are sometimes done by less experienced developers and counsel, such that investors need to build in a price to help underwrite the transaction and a little bit more on the education side. We were honored to have Brian Gokin of the National Park Service and Lewis Jackson of the Tennessee State Historic Preservation Office on a Q&A panel. They emphasized the importance of speaking with your State Historic Preservation Office early, and they said to get expert insight before attempting to do any work on an historic property. Now, we appreciate everyone who attended the conference in Nashville, and I wanted to note that a highlight of the conference for me personally was to be able to present John Lee Tetrell with a Lifetime Achievement Award for what he's done for the cause of historic preservation. If you know John, or even if you don't, I encourage you to reach out to him and express your thanks and appreciation as well. In other news, we have updates on co-sponsors for a couple of important federal bills. I want to start with the New Marcus Tax Credit Extension Act of 2017. Representative Sanford Bishop of Georgia and Ann Custer of New Hampshire each became co-sponsors last week. That lifted the total for the House bill to 100. That's the most co-sponsors ever for New Marcus Tax Credit Extension legislation. There are 45 Republican co-sponsors, which is also the most ever. Now, companion legislation in the Senate has 19 co-sponsors with nine Republicans. Now, the other legislation that gained co-sponsors is the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2017. There, four new co-sponsors were added, bringing the total to 174. That's right, 174 members of the House. The Senate version has 40 co-sponsors. Needless to say, that number of co-sponsors shows there's a lot of support for the bill in both chambers of Congress. And turning to state credit news, Missouri Governor Mike Parson says that the state won't, that's right, they will not issue state long-closing tax credits until the state tax credit program is revamped. Now, I want to emphasize, he's talking about the state long-term housing tax credit program. The federal tax credits will continue to be issued or awarded. But Parson, who named new members to the Housing Commission Board, the board that awards the state credits, said last week that he won't have the state credits issued. Now, of course, Missouri didn't award state credits last year when Governor Eric Greitens said that the credits are inefficient. Greitens, after that, did resign his position, and Parson became governor and has been seen as a supporter of the tax credits. But the new governor said he won't have them awarded until the program is reformed. Parson did call on the state legislature to do just that. 
So we will keep an eye on this going forward. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. But before we close, I wanted to remind you that our affordable housing conference here in New Orleans this week doesn't actually begin until Thursday, with a workshops day on Wednesday. This means there's still time to register and attend. I'd also like to remind you that the Novogratic 2018 New Markets Task Credit Fall Conference is coming up in a few weeks in Austin, Texas. Now, our New Market Task Credit Conference is also going to discuss Opportunity Zones on a few panels. And if you're unable to attend Opportunity Zones conference this week, then I encourage you to register for our New Market Task Credit event in Austin, Texas. I'll include a link to each of the conferences in today's show notes, as well as I'll tweet out the links. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.